liberty lockdown please scan your barcode your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold where did it come from and where did it go it requires a fight not tweeting from your phone don't need a king get him off the fucking throne if you're riding with the thought you've always got a home the virus is scared of will come and it'll go the government knows this don't get treated like a hoe Welcome, everybody, to another mind-bending edition of Liberty Lockdown, the place where you get to hear the unfiltered truth, and it sounds as if it's a conspiracy theory simply because you can't hear the truth anywhere else. Yes, that is what I do. <laughs> Anyways, today I have on a brilliant guest. I'm absolutely thrilled. We've been trying to make this happen for a couple weeks now, so thank goodness it finally came to pass. He is the author of The Great Reset and the Struggle for Liberty, Unraveling the Global Agenda. It is Michael Rechtenwald. Welcome in. Hi, nice to be here, Clint. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. So let me, uh, this is going to be a kind of freewheeling discussion because I feel like you and I see the world very similarly. But let me start by saying my premise, my operating thesis, and you can correct me if you disagree at all. So my belief is that The Great Reset is largely a a series of psyops and different mechanisms in order to end or, or basically transfer and transition from the dying fiat currency system into central bank digital currency systems is that a fair assessment or is there more to it that yeah, you there's, like there's to more to it that's part of it but there's there's more to it than that okay uh, yeah that's part of it um the cbdc's are a big element but uh it's not the whole it's not the whole shebang by any stretch okay well go ahead and enlighten me please i would love to know more well i mean there's a whole reset of all of the capitalist system not just the banking uh element not just the banking industry but all of capitalism uh which you know is part of the uh stakeholder model that uh schwab has been uh, promoting through the World Economic Forum. And uh, this is already being executed as we speak through the uh, ESG scores right, right. and the ESG index. And uh, furthermore, there's the um, other technological elements than CBDCs, uh, inclusive of all these fourth industrial revolution technologies, as they're called. Uh, that's uh, digital identity and uh, smart cities, the uh, internet of bodies. Uh, there's a whole lot of uh, digital technology, the metaverse, right. um, and uh, several others. So uh, there's a, a lot going on there with uh, uh, the Great Reset, not just an economic reset, uh, not just a, uh, a response to climate change, so-called, which, you know, I don't believe in at all. And uh, not just a, uh, a reset of the uh, banking industry, but all of these elements. Uh, there's also partly a Malthusian campaign here. Yeah. Uh, there's a neo-Malthusianism at base uh, that is a population control agenda, yeah. which has been on the agenda of the UN for since 1970s, really, since the 1970s. Uh, and some would call it eugenics. Um, I don't call it eugenics because it's not targeting necessarily any segment of the population to uh, delimit their uh, reproduction, but it's definitely Malth neo-Malthusian. That's uh, interventionism into uh, population uh population growth, uh, trying to stifle that. There's a whole re there's also a resetting of consumption, uh, which comes as part and parcel of this, um, climate agenda. Sure. Yeah. They, they seem to be true believers, at least to a large extent when it comes to the, uh, the climate change move. But from what I've read, it, it has also been utilized by some of the people that were, you know, very prominent and dominant in the prior economic system to kind of entrench themselves and transition them into being the elites from this current paradigm into the next one. Uh, do you think that the people at the highest levels are believers in anthropogenic, anthropogenic clim climate change or global it's, warming? It's very hard to tell whether they're actually true believers or not. Um, 
that is the people that are really uh, pulling the strings, as it were. Uh, it's it's impossible to tell their actual beliefs, uh, but they are acting as if they believe it, and that's that amounts to the same thing, as far as I'm concerned. Sure. So there's uh, they seem to be true believers in uh, overpopulation. Uh, they certainly seem to be believers in the idea that the, the masses of humanity represent a scourge on the planet. Mm -hmm. um, so it seems that climate, uh, well, I always say that basically the means are the ends. That is, whatever mm -hmm. means they're recommending to affect a certain end, it's really the means that are the end altogether. Mm -hmm. So whatever they're saying, we have to do like um, stop, uh, you know, use of fossil fuels, stop eating meat, eat bugs. Uh, all of this stuff are, these are means, but really they are the ends being sought. So they want to reduce us to this static, uh, hier this static hierarchy in which the masses effectively have no upward mobility or economic prospects, uh, while there's this corporate state monopoly scheme whereby this woke cartel controls all production and the rest of us are subjected to uh, its dictates. Sounds like communism. Uh, what what yeah. I what I, I well, of course the Marxist will tell you that's not communism, but uh, yeah, right. I call it, that's actually existing socialism. That's the way it always turns out, and so I think it is communism in the fact because that's how it always turns out. Yeah, well, and it's being implemented through what I view as essentially a culture cultural Marxist revolution that is being bred through a ground up movement through academia to indoctrinate the children and the young adults into this belief system. You also have the media obviously indoctrinating uh, some of the more elderly left-leaning folks, it seems to me. Uh, do you think that that was a concerted effort or is that just part of this entire way that, of viewing the world? No, that's a good question. And uh, I take that question up uh, in a chapter in the book called Woke Ideology. And whether they invented woke ideology or not, the, the main issue is that they have adopted it. And so they are uh, promulgating this woke ideology definitely. And the function of it is to uh, habituate the uh, public to believing that whatever they had vis-a-vis uh, uh, their marketplace, whatever they were able to accrue. Uh, this was all due to an uh, unearned privileged privilege and therefore it needs to be revoked. So they figured everything in terms of privilege and this is a way of telling the masses that they have to surrender or abdicate their, their property and their rights, other rights, although they all, I think, hinge on property. Sure. And because um, this is... Uh, these rights are, uh, these rights basically have been a, a function of un, unearned, unearned uh, privilege, not merit, and therefore they have to be rescinded. Well, it's interesting that you even bring up merit because it seems to me that they can't really establish a hierarchy in their worldview. In fact, it seems as if they oppose any hierarchy, even though, in my view, hierarchy is a natural phenomenon where those that are the best in certain areas of life, you know, obviously have people that look to them for, for guidance. And, and now essentially we have no leadership roles or establishments that we, tr we trust anymore. And as much as I'm, uh, I'm an ANCAP, so I don't really care deeply about the prior institutions holding on to their uh, trustworthiness, but at the same time, it kind of unmoors civilization when you have, no entities to which you can look to and actually trust. Well, I, I would agree with that with one caveat. I think they're trying to destroy what we would call natural hierarchy and replace it with artificial hierarchy. Okay. Um, because they definitely, it ends up as a very hierarchical system. Uh, but this, uh, this hierarchy is not based on any merit or, uh, or otherwise, sure. they will use these woke criteria to establish this hierarchy. Mm, yeah. Well, and and force and violence and the power of the state 
usually. Oh um, yeah, absolutely. Um, they'll use the state and uh, they use the American state uh, in particular to enforce its the, the regime through force and violence elsewhere. Uh, but they, um, it's not, it's not an American project though. It's not about establishing American imperialism or, uh, you know, or hitherto British imperialism. I don't know if you can hear that in the background there. My mic usually has good background uh, dimming, but somebody's using a, a leaf blower outside. I don't know if you can hear that. <laughs> it's actually it's it's pretty uh, muted, so don't don't worry about it. Okay. Um, so yeah. I, I'd like I'd like to know what your view is of. Well, let me start by saying uh, what confuses me about this entire plan is that the the old guard, the old establishment, the people that have found themselves at the type top of the hierarchy economically and and governmentally and power wise in the in the old guard benefit tremendously from economic growth i mean right. because of uh because of the cantillon effect and their relationship to the federal reserve or the central banks more broadly it's like it's confusing to me that they would risk their current extremely privileged position and and think that they can you know bring about the death of billions and and the impoverishment of billions and not expect to have a threat to their current position in life it's it's weird yeah that that is a very strange uh, situation and that is that is what they're affecting and that's why it will be disastrous but in the interim they think that um, they look at the rest of humanity as uh, is basically a unnecessary M much of humanity is unnecessary so their 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 economics is very bad uh they have no clue as to what produces wealth and how wealth production happens mm. uh they assume that uh they can establish like a chinese style uh economic system here i call it uh capitalism with chinese characteristics i'm not saying china is um is doing this like many right wingers will say i'm saying that they're using china as a test case scenario yeah it's a it's a model and a boilerplate for the rest of the world that they want to impose and they think it'll work because it's supposedly working in china but they fail to recognize that china's growth economically has depended upon markets that are right. that are, that are being closed off by virtue of just and decimated by virtue of their agenda so it's very foolhardy yeah it's a idiotic totalitarian scheme these people are total lunatics and i think morons really in the in the at base yeah well <laughs> I, t I tend to agree i always go back between you know just thinking that they're they're evil or they're insane or they're idiots and it's like a combination they're in it's it, all all the above yeah, yeah. Well, and and I think your point is well taken that, you know, essentially China's economy only functions if you have other freer markets to, you know, to sell your products into. Uh, exactly. See, obviously, this, yeah, oh, they they seem to have forgotten this. I, I don't know why. They <laughs> think that this thing is ha is happening in isolation somehow when it's not. Right. Yeah. If if not for the globalized economy you know, the Chinese model of, you know, top-down state-based economy uh, probably wouldn't be functioning nearly as well as it has. And it's not even really functioning that well. I would imagine that they'll have an economic implosion sometime within the next decade, if not sooner. But um, putting that aside, I, I'm, <clears throat> I'm curious what you believe the lockdowns and the COVID hysteria played in the, the Great Reset. I, a lot of people believe that it was, um, I forget the name of the the project that was, it was established at a Davos meeting, and then you had the. Uh, what well, do you remember what it was called? The, well, the... there was there were two simulations that were run by. Uh, oh yeah, Event Two Hundred One. Yeah, Event Two Hundred One with the World Economic Forum, Johns Hopkins University, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. It was uh, Claydex uh, simulation and Event Two Hundred One. Uh, they both uh, predicted well. Some would say they both, you know, the choreographed, uh, let's just leave it at predicted, <laughs> right. but also trained. They really were training sessions to train global leaders how to respond to a pandemic 
And in fact, they responded in the simulations. Uh, the response in the simulations was mirrored exactly by the COVID response. Yep. And the lockdowns were part of it. The uh, shuttering of whole industries and businesses, uh, all of this was all part of it. The, um, the, uh, even the riots were predicted and the unemployment, of course, the state bailouts, the higher, you know, the increased dependence on the state, all of this was predicted. Now, you know, I'll leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> For the sake of my go, YouTube channel, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some go further and call it the pandemic. I, I do discuss the pandemic narrative in the book, but I don't adopt it as such. Sure. And, but there's and what, something about the World Economic Forum. They generate conspiracy theories almost spontaneously. I think they do it on purpose. Interesting. For what purpose? To discredit all critics of the um, of the agenda. If you, yeah, that, if you can make outlandish statements like Schwab did at the last annual meeting in May, he said, uh, we have this pandemic to concern with, but also other pandemic could be <laughs> on what we might have on the global agenda. <laughs> uh, and so he said, we might have on the global agenda, which means we're about to do something and it's our plan, you know, whereas, you know, it seems to me that you, if you're so, and he's supposedly very concerned about the fact that this Great Reset has been blown into a conspiracy theory. Why would you say things like that unless it was, in fact, to actually blow it into conspiracy theory to thereby blow out all critics of it, mm -hmm. making them seem like lunatics? Right. And then well, to vilify conspiracy theories and to then police the Internet for such things, which they have recommended and uh, are trying to, uh, and trying to implement as we speak. Yeah, well, they've done a pretty good job at it. Um, well, if if the World Economic Forum is not actually, you know, creating these events, uh, and they're and they're trying to kind of misdirect or or conspiracy theorize uh, or label anyone that that dissents from their worldview into that category, who who is actually bringing these things about? Do you think that it's it's a, a naturally, or uh, it doesn't sound as if you believe it's a naturally arriving phenomenon? The Great Reset Project itself? Yes. Oh, no, no, no. It's a, it's a, it's a total interventionist campaign. Uh, it's not natural at all. It is a concerted collaboration and coordinated agenda and uh, operation. But so you just, the, you think that the World Economic Forum's messaging... They're, 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 let me put it this way. The World Economic Forum, let me give you a, a sports metaphor here, if I might. The Great Reset is to a football game what the World Economic Forum is to the quarterback. Mm. They're, they're calling and execute. They're executing the plays, but they don't own the team. They don't own the stadium. They don't, they don't, they're not the general manager and they're not the coach. They're the quarterback calling the plays or executing the plays on the field. The Got plays it. are called down from the booth. And basically, they're just the chief. They're kind of like middle managers of the whole enterprise. Got it. So who who's in the booth, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> That's the million-dollar question or billion-trillion-dollar question. Yeah, yeah. Quadrillion. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's probably twenty-two trillion-dollar question. Um, right. You you know, I mean, ultimately, it's probably central bankers. Uh but my, my, my theory on that is basically, look, who doesn't really matter who's pulling the strings as long as we detach them from ourselves. Right. Yeah. As long as we oppose it and can defeat it successfully. I, I just think the, the issue is, you know, can, does it benefit us to actually have a conclusion or a thesis as to who those people actually are? Because, you know, it's tough to fight your enemy if you don't know who they are. And well, we can tell by what they're proposing and, and what they mean to establish so i think that we can say like you started off the show by saying it's it's about implementing uh cbdc's well this points directly to the central banks sure um yeah. so th and then there's the theory uh, which you've already 
sort of floated that in fact the world econ world economic system is headed for catastrophe so these bankers are going to step in with cbdc's as the solution to this crisis yep that's how they're going to present it we must do the cdc cb and even though there's no logical connection between the two except from their standpoint that it's a way of uh uh abolishing their debt Mm. Uh, probably their debt to pensioners and others. Uh, you know, a lot of the debt that they that these states are holding have to do with pensions, uh, and they might want to reset that debt altogether. Well, if you do that, you're going to have absolute bedlam in the streets. I mean, if you have, <laughs> yeah, especially with an aging global population, particularly in Western nations, uh, and and not a replacement rate in terms of uh, birth rates, it's like. This is just such, and I mean, it perfectly plays into the Malthusian vein that you mentioned earlier that they they want to depopulate. So obviously, if you don't have a high population or a high birth rate, and you also then cut off the financial resources to the elderly, well, you're going to have a mass die off. But if you have a mass die off and it comes through economic strain as opposed to war, mm -hmm. oftentimes the people rise up. So I just I just don't see and. I mean, then then again, you have the kind of logical conclusion that once you have the CBDC, it makes people uh, much more hesitant to rise up because you kind of have the social credit score type mechanism to keep them tamped down. I don't mm -hmm. know. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm that, work, that's all. I'm, that's I'm all working very, my way through this as I think it. <laughs> no, that's all very logical. I, I follow your uh, concatenation of thinking there, and I I think that's right. But it, and also one of the other schemes about all this is the incrementalism that they're using. So very very slowly not not that slowly but slowly enough that it, it, you know one thing after another gets introduced you you have some die off and then you might have some hints of rebellion but if you introduce these things slowly and uh, the, the frog is boiling before they know that that they're in hot water sure um so i think that's part of the mm -hmm. um part of the the way the agenda is being under uh, undertaken well, what I found fascinating is, you know, I felt in you know March, April, May, 2020, as if the the stove top had been turned on high, mm -hmm. but, it, but it still felt as if it was only myself and a handful of basically hardcore libertarians that actually mm -hmm. ident identified it. You know, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was the same. I was in the same boat. Uh, right when the thing broke, I said, "Oh boy, we're in for it." <laughs> and, and my my son and I had a discussion and he said yeah i mean this virus i said it's not the virus to be worried about it's the state that you should yes. be worried about quick interruption from this incredible interview with michael rechtenwald uh i want to thank a sponsor longtime sponsor and a great one at that and that is expat money summit they're an upcoming on online summit by my friend mikhail thorup from expatmoney.com with over 30 experts who are focused on moving your life business and wealth offshore it's free to attend no excuses whatsoever, and it's coming up in two weeks. Do not wait. Go to expatmoneysummit.com. Just added to the lineup, the great Dr. Ron Paul. You get to learn from the best, and it costs you nothing. Reclaim your freedom from chaos and uncertainty. Topics will include how to secure your own plan, B safe haven, how to use foreign currencies, offshore banking, and decentralized finance to safeguard your money, how you can get a second passport to travel the globe without restrictions and get in and out of different countries' borders. You'll also learn about a libertarian island haven, private cities, communities on the ocean, and food and energy, independent towns in Latin America. Again, totally free. Register for free at expatmoneysummit.com. This is your way to fight back against what is happening in the world. Stand up, protect yourself, and find out how to secure your new life abroad. Again, register for free over at expatmoneysummit.com. Do not miss it. Yes. It's not what he goes, what do you mean? He, the state, state is going to save us. I said, no, the state is going to ruin us. Yep. This is just a pretext for the state. And then he came around after he saw all this, uh, what's happened. Uh, he's completely in our camp now. Well, good, good for him. Uh, most people don't have the, the pliability to actually evolve, even when they see it, you know, play out over time. It's, uh, it's very concerning to me that that more people didn't kind of have a knee jerk reaction to, the even the the premise of a lockdown, to uh, immediately instant, you know, instinctively oppose it. And yeah. now 
even though some of those people have been kind of red pilled on how destructive and counterproductive the lockdowns were and the vaccine mandates and the layoffs and everything else that transpired, not to mention the trillions of dollars that they printed and the extended unemployment benefits and the moratorium on evictions and foreclosures and all the fucking insane stuff that happened. They right. still, even though they've been red pilled on that stuff, they're not able to extrapolate that into the Russia-Ukraine war right. propaganda. And that is driving me insane. Yeah, I don't, I guess, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I try not to interact with these people. So I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> um, not because I want to be in an echo chamber. I just don't want to be confronted with idiocy so much. And uh, so, it, it, and they're not, you know, they, they're not going to change their thinking until they experience a trauma anyway. So yeah. I can't believe that the lockdowns weren't traumatic enough. Like even for the people that, you know, quote unquote, supported them. It, it's still like their children have speech impediments now. And they're, it's, it's just bizarre to me that people are so slow to wake up. It, do you think that the, the Ukraine, Russia, World War Three push plays into the great reset? Because that's a level of reset that uh, doesn't end well for anybody from what I can tell. Yeah, I think, well, the whole Russia, Ukraine, Russia scenario is part of it. Uh, I think that the, you know, whatever you think about Putin, uh, the Russian, the Russian uh, sovereignty represents a, an impediment to this. And uh, the, they've been trying to basically get rid of Putin for years. This is why all the vilification of Russia has been going on. Notice how they vilified Russia well before this uh, event. Yeah. Well before. So this was all, this was all, uh, conditioned into the public and to, to condition their responses to yeah. this incursion. And uh, I couldn't agree no more. The, the Trump Russian collusion case in 2015, I mean, they, they've been working on this for at least seven years. Yeah, definitely. And so this is all uh, part of it. The Russia vilification started a long time ago. And then, uh, you know, every, none of these people know any history about the region or what happened in Donbass and, you know, the coup in 2014 orchestrated nope. by the CIA in conjunction with the <laughs> Obama administration. They don't know any of this. Right. If you tell them, they'll, they'll say, well, that's still no reason for invading Ukraine. Uh, but you, 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 you know, the, there's just no historical context. And these people live in a cartoon fantasy world. <laughs> um, basically, history is a cartoon and uh, all the events are portrayed as cartoon uh, evil cardboard cutouts, you know, rather right. than any uh, nuanced or even granular uh, 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 contextual un understanding of anything. Yeah, well, it doesn't seem as if they have any interest in it. I, I did an episode, a, a solo episode, where hour and a half I break down the entire history of the Russian-Ukraine conflict. It's called The War They Wanted. I mean, you have John McCain and Lindsey Graham on the ground, and I think it was 2017, saying next year is the war of offense and he's talking to the ukrainians as they're you know actively bombing the donbass region and it's like and then you people still will be like it's no justification it's like they were bombing russian speakers in the east of ukraine for years like years if and i'm not even saying necessarily that i agree with what putin did however if this was happening in mexico or canada or anything else and America were to intervene to defend Americans, you know, English, American speakers, American yeah. English speakers. Uh, yeah. Everyone would understand the rationale. Like I, I, I probably wouldn't support the invasion either, but I would still understand the rationale. And yet, people are so propagandized they can't even wrap their heads around it, or or even attempt to. It's it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, I mean, they just have to be told the war started in 2014, right? Uh, and that you know this whole, you know, so the, it wasn't really. Uh, Russian instigated. It was Russian response to a war that was instigated by a U.S. puppet who was placed in power. Uh, you know, so I mean, once you tell them all that, though, then you're a Russian bot or something. So right, then then you get suspended from Twitter. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> That's not why I got suspended. I don't think, but I did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully, uh, our savior Elon, who I do not trust, but I I'm hoping for the best. Uh, yeah brings you back and all my friends because i've lost yeah. a whole bunch of people that are that are truth tellers um what do you what do you think the the play is here do you think that world war three is actually what they're driving towards or or is it 
I think they wouldn't mind uh, so-called tactical nuclear strikes. Uh, and uh, they don't think that that'll escalate into into Armageddon, that it's uh, tactical strikes. And they're even saying some of their he talking heads, you know, that's, uh, you know, those 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 small nuclear tactical uh, nuclear weapons, it's <laughs> like a bomb. It's just a little bit, you know. So, but once if it's just like a bomb, why would you not just use a fucking bomb? <laughs> yeah. Um, if one goes off, it's, I won't put my bets on, you know, that the Russians actually used it. I, I just don't trust this administration or this government at all. And I wouldn't put it past them to set off a nuclear weapon in Ukraine and blame it on the Russians. Yeah. Well, I mean, in, in Russia, their leadership has been out warning against that and obviously our leadership has been out warning against the inverse saying that you know russia is planning a false flag operation to detonate a, a dirty nuclear bomb it's all it's all so confusing and hard to track because you have obviously i don't really trust russia or the kgb either, or, either, yeah right yeah so like i don't trust anybody that's that's giving me these narratives um but regardless at the end of the day all i can do is basically oppose nuclear holocaust more broadly yeah, <laughs> you know, like, right. like a right. sane human being um, right so it's hard so, not to be against the regime that we're under though you know since of course and, but you know it's it, it, you know we're under the regime that did institute all these lockdowns that did that is attacking us on a daily basis um so it's hard not to i mean they're trying to destroy our economy and uh they're they're trying to uh debase our, our our social structures yes um, they're trying to uh upend our cultural heritage and destroy it so it's hard not to be like opposed to this regime and, i agree and uh and i ironically when putin gives his speeches he says that's what he, they are opposing is exactly. is exactly what you just described which obviously makes me have some sort of affinity for him because i'm like well you know, whether it's rhetoric or not, I kind of like hearing a leader that would just say that. Yeah, it's nice to hear him talk about this woke imperialism like this. And and there, I forget what Democratic uh, figure who's actually on the uh, January 6th committee. He said basically the same thing. You know, Russia is transphobic and they're uh, <laughs> they don't they're against gay rights. So we, we should attack them. Um and uh, so this is woke imperialism. How how will they manage to weld or meld together imperialism and wokeness? But it is. It's these are joined at the hip now. Yeah, it's the neoliberal takeover. It's basically re replacing neoconservatism. It's fascinating, and and I think that you know ESG has kind of been the neoliberal mechanism to uh, replace the old crony capitalist system with kind of a. Yeah, a, a woke version of the very same. And, it's a new and it, woke cartel scheme. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It, it, I call it the woke cartel, and this is this is the scheme. This is what they've chosen to use as the scheme in order to cartelize, you know, these industries and those that don't abide to to get rid of them, uh, to get rid of comp competition. Obviously, this is part of what this whole uh, ESG uh, regime is about. It's it's about you know just dis destroying uh, the the non-compliant and uh, you know and that's why you have all these corporations rushing headlong into it. Yes, they know that cancellation is the other alternative. Right, and not just cancellation culturally, but no. in terms in terms of government contracts, in terms of access to the Fed window. I mean, the the mechanisms right. for control are very deep. Not to mention. Just the BlackRock, State Street, Vanguards of the world, if they divest of your stock, well, you're fucking DOA anyway. You're so, done. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and BlackRock, I, I, uh, Larry Fink, I mean, he's advising the Fed. So it's not like he's not, <clears throat> I mean, he's a major player in this, okay? Now I we agree. might be talking about close to the top of the puppet, um, closer up. Yeah, closer to the marionette. <laughs> closer to the marionette, to the puppet master, absolutely. Yeah, uh, and... It's it's tough because this is, I mean, it is a conspiracy. So it's it's mm -hmm. tough it's tough to explain it to people without sounding insane. Um, but yeah. I, you know, after years of I've I started my show in May 2020 and I've done nothing but study this stuff and mm -hmm. and I can't come to any other conclusion. Like it's yeah, it seems, that's 
That's why I included a chapter in my book, the last chapter in the book, on the question of conspiracy theory itself. Mm. And I absolutely, running through all these philosophical arguments about uh, the epistemological status of conspiracy theory, I've exonerated the very concept of conspiracy theory. Nice. Yeah. It has to be, somebody had to do it. <laughs> well, it, it needed to be done. Since yeah. Alex Jones has been deplatformed everywhere, we need someone else to do yeah. to pick up that mantle. Well, he never he never tackles that question. You know, um, I don't think anybody has tackled the question. You know, it has to be treated straight up. Yeah. So, yeah. Instead yeah, well, of and getting thrown into the basket of uh, conspiratorial deplorables, I decided to redeem the whole basket. No, that's that's beautiful. I mean, it's vitally necessary because. We are up against a global conspiracy. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah, it really are. is. And <clears throat> so is the, uh, do you think that, that World War III, I mean, can we, can they actually detonate tactical nuclear bombs and not have Russia retaliate with all out bombardment, which escalates into nuclear holocaust? I mean, it, like, I, I don't think that's even possible, um, but I could be wrong, I guess. I, 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 you know, it's, your guess is as good as mine on that. Um, I think actually Putin would have more restraint than we might imagine. I, I agree. I, I that's the crazy part is like the guy who's portrayed as the madman. I think like my my entire existence may rest on his rational, calm demeanor in the face yeah. of what amounts to a globalist plot against his nation. You know, right, from my exactly. from my vantage point. No, that's uh, that's what it is exactly. Yeah. Good God, man. Well, this is dark. Um, any, yeah. any, any reasons for optimism? Do you think that uh, the I, so I think this is a good question or a good angle to take it. Obviously, when you have ESG that's pushing big business in the direction of not serving the end users desires, right. you know, like the consumer, um, you should create a void there, you know, just like mm -hmm. as you would with a communist system, like a free market should trounce a communist system. That's essentially what we're looking at. Can we have a bifurcated economy where, you know, genuinely free enterprise rises up, even though they're competing against infinite fiat and access to the Fed window and inflationary pressures and, and, and regulatory capture? Can that actually prevail? I, I struggle to imagine that it can, but obviously I hope it can. I think we, could we can preserve a remnant of free market activity uh, through a... Uh, a, a, a par parallel structure of economic activity. Okay. So I believe that this is what I, I call for in, in the book at the end, is we, ha we have to uh, try to uh, establish a parallel structure. We need, though, we need, um, 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 we need some uh, if defectors from the elite. Yes. Uh, so maybe somebody like Musk could end up being a, a real defector. And we need prominent defectors who basically have enough capital to resist and just to, you know, utterly uh, eschew and, uh, and uh, basically, uh, you know, uh, break the paradigm, break it. Yeah, yeah. Break it. At least, you know, a remnant thereof that might survive into the future. Uh, we may, we may be looking at that at, best you know that may be the the best we can do yeah well and i mean truthfully because you are up against essentially a communist takeover like you there is tremendous opportunity for anyone that is willing to defect but obviously with that comes tremendous risk because you have yeah. the most powerful governments on earth and the militaries on earth that could come after you and the deep states on earth and the you know <laughs> everything yeah. um but if you do it and you can do it successfully you can be not just the most wealthy person to ever live, but you could also be a historical figure for liberty that will never be forgotten. And it's it's tough because so many of my listeners are, are very blackpilled on Elon Musk because he talks about you know the the next iteration of AI paired with humanity mm. and things like that, and that obviously sends up some red flags and some concerns. But at the same time, like I I I have no I have no other option but to be at least somewhat optimistic that the richest man on earth might be someone who's brave enough to break the paradigm just as i i witnessed kanye west the richest black man on, on earth be willing to say things that are unpopular and be canceled by everybody it's like yeah 
if if you can't get the wealthiest people on earth to do it, then what chance do the rest of us stand? Very little. You know, this is a fact of the matter. Um, it- hey, guys. Today, I want to tell you about an opportunity to jump headfirst into the liberty movement and make a real impact. And good Lord, do we need you right now. Young Americans for Liberty is currently recruiting campaign field staff to help elect pro-liberty candidates across the country. These hardcore candidates are dedicated to fighting for federal gun nullification, defend the guard, and criminal justice reform, and many other hardcore liberty policies. If you are ready to be a part of the fight, stand against the establishment and make a real change in 2022. You can change. You can join one of these campaigns from now through November eighth. Gas is completely covered. Housing is fully provided, and you will be compensated a total of twenty eight hundred dollars a month for your work on the campaign trail. Go to yaliberty.org forward slash liberty lock pod, just like my Twitter handle, to apply and make a real change in this country today. Again, that's yaliberty.org forward slash liberty lock pod. The link will be in the description for anybody that's interested. Now's the time. November 8th is just around the bend. You got nine days left. Get on it. It's, it's, it's a, it's a problem. It's a predicament that we're in such that if you don't have visible defectors, uh, we don't have a chance. Yeah, I I agree. And, and, and not only, not only visible defectors, but defectors with the resources to create that parallel economy. They're only going to be visible because of that. Right. Um, because they have resources and they're going to, they're going to, uh, they're going to have the p- potential to actually resist and refuse. Uh, and hopefully there's enough of them that have some sort of moral structure such that they know that this, this whole regime is bent on destruction of much of the human race and they don't want to see that happen. Well, this is, this is the, actually the primary reason that I have some faith in Elon Musk is because in his position to come out and say that the greatest threat to humanity is depopulation is an extraordinarily dangerous position to take. Given yeah, I what- think that's what got me banned from Twitter, by the way, as I, I said, you know, that there was a massive depopulation, Malthusian ma- ma- uh, population campaign underway. And I named transgenderism as one of one many prongs. It's certainly not enough to you know, get rid of a lot of reproduction, but it, it, it's a good start for them. And, uh, and abortions another. I mean, frankly, that's how I view it at this point. It's part of a depopulation campaign. Yeah. Uh, people well, can't yeah. even imagine. What are you talking about? Well, what do you mean? What am I talking about? When people get rid of their own offspring, it leaves less people here. Right. You know I mean? <laughs> or, or if they get rid of their capacity to reproduce, well, obviously, right. you know, yeah, yeah, and and obviously I, I I can't say it, but the uh, the mandates from last year and and some of the consequences uh, therein certainly could add to the case that this is a depopulation agenda. And I, I mean, if you pair that with their actual rhetoric rhetoric about how carbon, the thing that we exhale all day every day, is a toxin and a poison and an existential risk to humanity, it's not hard to make the logical leap of they're saying that we are the problem, that it's an anti-human yeah. death cult. Oh, it's totally an anti-human death cult. No, there's no question about it. And right now I'm trying to, by, by the way, I have a cover of my book up on my website. It's just temporary. I'm trying to decide on the, on the cover and there's, I've got some really good alternatives. One's kind of like an infernal scene where it looks like you're in the, in the pit of hell where these <laughs> leaders are grouped together making these decisions. And I'm thinking I'm going with that. Well, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm honestly, I've always been agnostic for throughout my life, but it does feel as if this is a good versus evil type battle. Do you have any uh, opinion on that? Well, yeah. I mean, I was agnostic almost all my life. I, that was the exact uh, phraseology I would use. And uh, uh, I was a materialist, you know, I, I didn't believe in anything other than matter. Uh, and, uh, you know, Although, you know, I studied, my actual research was in academia was actually 19th century uh, British science uh, circulating around the natural, uh, scientific naturalism and uh, the emergence of that creed. Mm. And actually that creed was not materialist ontologically. In other words, they didn't make any statements about whether there was anything other than matter. But I have come sense to believe that there is and in fact, there is a spiritual uh, world. 
-hmm. and that we're in the throes of a spiritual battle. Yeah. I I mean, I, I, I actually, as a kid, I always thought, you know, faith in God or religion more broadly was just uh, people's struggling to deal with their own uh, temporary existence. And, Mm -hmm. and I, I, I think that's why I even gave it any consideration at all because I was also sure. afraid of, of dying. Um, but then I did, <laughs> I did mushrooms yeah. a couple of times and I was like, I don't know, man, I think there might be something else. <laughs> uh, I, I was a Marxist. So what my stick was, you know, it's a ruling class ideology to, uh, to convince the people to, to uh, you know, that there's another world so that they'll basically resign themselves to this one and their status as, Mm. exploited in the working class all this bull uh you know that's where i came from that and that i had a total revolution in that thinking wow did you say that you were a marxist when you were younger i was yes holy shit you have 180 sir (laughs) no i was a marxist up until i was uh what what is this this is 2023 or almost yeah 2022 i was a marxist till 2016 holy shit what yeah. uh, can, can you give me just the cliff's notes on how that transition came to be? Yeah, I mean it it started whenever I got attacked by almost the whole left uh when I came out against social justice at the university oh, and wow. I realized I'd touched a third rail that it was more than just some blue-haired kids on campus that it was actually the ruling ideology of of the social order. Right. And right. that it really had significant power behind it because the whole top administration came down on me like a ton of bricks. And uh, so I turned away from the left first, and then I started reading uh, Mises and uh, other critics of socialism, and he demolished them. And I mean, I find myself reading socialism uh, uh, by by Mises and literally rolling on the floor in glee. Because I was led, I was like released from this bondage of this ideology. Incredible. I was like literally laughing out loud and almost like I was exhilarated, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's beautiful, man. Well, what a a great story. I mean, to have gone from what I consider kind of the enemy side to the to to the light side. And just because I oppose Marxism so deeply, not because I would have considered you an enemy. Um, Yeah. I, I totally understand. That's exactly where I stand. I think it's a immortal enemy of humanity. Yeah. yeah. Well, what is the, uh, I, I've basically concluded that there is no reform possible for uh, particularly the Ivy, Ivy League institutions. It just seems as if abolition is the only option yeah. or to basically pull all of the kids out so that they go bankrupt. Uh, do you, do you believe that there is reform possible at the higher levels of education it's going to take years because after all, it took some 70, 80 years for this to take place. Sure. Uh, so it'll take another 30 to 40 years for it to um, unravel. And they're going to double and triple and quadruple down before that, right? which they're doing now. As you point out the absurdities, they trump it with another absurdity or even a greater absurdity. So, I mean, they just keep this up. It's, it's astounding. Um, so it's going to take a while to get out, get these people out of there. Uh, hopefully they die off. And, you know, I think defunding is a huge, huge part of it. We need right. to absolutely defund education totally. That is all loans, grants, and uh, other <clears throat> things. And uh, without state support, they have nothing, really. I agree. I agree. I mean, just the even the the loan subsidies alone would be enough to really break their backs at this point because their tuition costs are so astronomical um and and no bank would <laughs> do these loans like they're letting these kids to go learn shit that has no market value so they can't possibly pay them off so if a government would just stop guaranteeing these loans um and make it so that they can't be bankrupted well then yeah, yeah. solve a lot not, of this. not only subsidizing but then forgiving them you know well, right right Partially, yeah. at least for most people, I guess it's all of it. Um, but $20,000 is, you know, well, where I taught $20,000 was a third of a year. Well, it wasn't even a third of a year's tuition. It's $75,000 at NYU. Man. Well, what uh, what percentage of the professors at NYU would you consider not Marxist? Uh, I'd say about, um, I mean, they're all mostly all neo-Marxists, you know, sure. so... 
uh, I'd say um, about 10% are not neo-Marxists of some sort. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> That's crazy, man. Um, oh, my God. All right. So do you think that the, uh, I mean, b besides, you know, private education and, and homeschooling um, from the, you know, K through 12 level, is is there reform possible on the public schooling level or is same conclusion no. there? Yeah. Public schools are, as long as they're public schools, right. they're ruined. You know, I think there's no way to reform them. The only way to reform them is to starve them to death. Yep. And the way to do that is by withdrawing all their students so that taxes can't be rationalized at all. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I hope that comes to pass, but I, I think this is a natural kind of final question for you. Um, obviously, in, in America, the only option we have from the overt Marxist agenda is the quasi-Marxist agenda of the Republican Party. Uh, do you think that the Republicans are... I mean, obviously, I do tend to believe that some of the America first new breed candidates might be in alignment with your and I's worldview. Some um, of them are. Yeah. Yeah. But more broadly, do you think that the GOP is reformable and can we actually utilize them to defend ourselves? I mean, we need to have them. We, we need we need a red wave in the next election because without it, we're dead. Yeah. Um, so, but I think the party itself has to be replaced. You know, I think I'm, I'm putting all my bets, not my bets, I'm putting my efforts, my actual efforts into the Mises caucus of the Libertarian Party. Oh, my guy. I love it. I'm, I'm a member. I was a, a delegate. I got to vote for Angela McArdle to become the chair in, in, uh, in Reno six months ago. And I couldn't be happier with, you know, the the new leadership in there. I, I couldn't agree more, man. I, we have to have a third option that actually holds these two parties to account because they are both really, you know, one's already off the cliff and the other's just driving pretty fast. Uh, yeah, the, other, the other is in the back seat, you know, basically <laughs> saying, yeah, yeah, take that turn. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's really ridiculous. But I do believe that, the, you know, what we're under is leftist totalitarianism. Yes. And that's being led by the Democrats. So mm -hmm. they're the they're the party that is that's that's the totalitarian regime. So we got to get rid of them. That's absolutely essential. So I, I got to say that as a stopgap measure, not as a panacea or any sort of you know rah rah red team, they have to be replaced. We have yeah. to replace them right now. Yeah, I think just from a pragmatic survivalist perspective yeah. I, I can't come to any other conclusion <laughs> but to agree yeah. with you i mean there's there's the inverse of it which is an accelerationist argument that you know allowing them to continue to control all three branches will just bring about the the collapse faster but i i don't believe yeah that. that's right so there's two different theories there one and so some people on the right are what I would call ultra rightists, and, and this I'm deriving this language from Marxism, where, where um, in these Marxist sects or whatever they were that I was involved in, they used to disdain what they called ultra leftism, which mm -hmm. was the position that you know anything short of revolution we shouldn't ever do. So uh, they were in effect accelerationists, like uh, right. what you just explained. Uh, so I don't agree with ultra-rightism at all. I, th I don't think we should adopt ultra-rightists. That is to say, anything short of uh, counter-revolution on the immediate front, we should not do. I, I don't agree. I think we need to do what we can right now. Uh, likewise, I'm putting 100% of my vote on all Republican Party members. Not that I agree with them altogether, but what else are we going to do to stop this totalitarian regime that we've got? Yeah, no, I understand the your your worldview. I, I think I, I tend to agree, actually. I, I think that if we accelerate what is already a, a speeding bullet train into a wall, uh, that, that may not work out real well for us. So, <laughs> yeah, that might be pretty painful for a lot of people. Yeah, and, and even if even if I think I can weather it because I have you know assets and resources that a lot of people don't, I don't really want to live in Mad Max, man. Like. I would, yeah. I would like to kind of hold on to the civilization that we fought so hard to establish over eons. And, and it, yeah. it, it's a it's a weird perspective to think that, like, you have <clears throat> you have half this country, it, you know, probably more that are so deeply indoctrinated, they can't even 
begin to grasp the concept of uh, concept of freedom and you think you're going to have a fucking revolution that leads to, <laughs> to freedom like, <laughs> yeah right <laughs> right I, it's just not going to happen that way um so they got to be trounced and uh they have to be trounced mercilessly yeah. uh, and uh th th that's the only option really so that's why i also celebrate uh, hopefully it helps me personally uh, in terms of twitter you know, I celebrate Musk's takeover because it is a step in the right direction. I get all these de detractors online saying he's just the you know same as the old boss. Meet the new boss. I'm like, no, well, not exactly. No, there's no, there's no way he's the same as the old boss. I mean, right? Why is he firing them all then? You know? Right? Yeah, time time will tell if he's worse. But uh, yeah, like it was already a hellscape. So why would yeah. I not? hold on to some level of optimism that he might actually take it in a direction that will be beneficial to people like you and I. Well, Michael, this has been incredibly enlightening. I knew it would be great. Um, I really hope you get your Twitter account back. You're one of my favorite follows. So uh, go oh, ahead and tell people where they can uh, follow you, where they can pick up your book, everything else. Yeah, everything's at michaelrechtenwald.com. Uh, michaelrechtenwald, R-E-C-T-E-N-W-A-L-D.com. Books, essays, uh, podcasts, uh, other, other media appearances, uh, interviews, um, everything. So yeah. I don't have a sub stack. I don't, and everything is free to my readers except the books. Perfect. Well, needless to say, I fully endorse the, the work and research of Michael Rechtenwald and I hope people oh, will go so out much. And, and support his work because it is invaluable in this fight. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Clinton. It was great to be here. Thank you guys for tuning in. If you want to support my work, as always, go to libertylockdown.locals.com. Sign up to become a monthly supporting member. I do AMAs over there where you can come in on stream with me, talk about whatever you'd like. We have a blast when we do it. And if you want to pick up a shirt with the dopest logo in the game from toplobster.com, link will be in the description. But you can go to toplobster.com, pick up Liberty Lockdown merch, all my all my homies' merch is over there too. Tower Gang, the whole, the whole squad. Uh, Thank you guys so much for the support and thank you for tuning in. And uh, I really appreciate it. Unfortunately, I had to reschedule with Dr. Ladapo. As you could tell, we had to push it all the way until I think it's like December 2nd or something like that. Um, but hopefully we'll have more clarity on some of the fallout from the mandates. Wink, wink, if you know what I'm talking about uh, at that point. And he'll be able to, you know, give me some real cutting edge information because I think he's one of the few doctors we can actually listen to and take seriously. Uh, I have also been contacted by Alex Jones people saying that he is intending to do it soon. <laughs> so whatever that means, guys, I'm, I'm trying my best over here. You know, I drafted the art. I got you all pumped up. I thought it was happening. We had it scheduled. I rescheduled it three times. What can I do? I'm doing everything I can here. But it's going to happen. I believe it is. I believe it in my core. Uh, and then some really cool news. A month from today, give or take, uh, end of November, I will be on with Majid Nawaz. I think that's how you pronounce it. He's a uh, awesome host of Radical, and uh, I am so pumped. So I'm going to be over there talking about central bank digital currencies, ESG, the whole, the whole kit and caboodle, the whole effed up Panopticon. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm very excited. If you haven't seen his interview on Joe Rogan Experience, it is one of the best ever. And the fact that he wants me on his show, uh, incredible. All thanks to Top Lobster, because he does his art. I think that's probably how it, how it happened. Uh, anyways, thank you guys as always. I will see you soon. We're out. Big shout out to everybody that's been with me since Jump Street. Appreciate y'all. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown, please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not tweet from your phone Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne If you're riding with the thought, you've always got a home The virus you're scared of will come and it'll go The government knows, just don't get treated like a hoe Like Nico and Shane, you're probably wondering what's happening Scared Hollywood lefties lyrical feffinin' A typo and Luke might bring the nooses We all bite the bullet, I'm the king of the gooses Freckles and Brit, didn't know I could spit Knew I was a patriot, but now I'm the shit 
Peter Quinones, invite me on. Which podcaster sends custom songs? Part of the problem. Now I stand with the people. Dave showed the way, but I am unequal. Lions of Liberty, now hear me roar. Beat running up, but I got a bit more. Robbie the Fire, always running his mouth, but I made him a sandwich. Now I'm man of the house. The malice for Nick, but you're welcome to quit. I went over BLM with the fire I spit. Friends against government just call us fags. Copy the Cairo, put mummies in the bag. Liable opinions get thrown on the ground. Silky Smooth Tom was the only sound. Getting so hot. Must be Air July Screaming in the mic A ripper 59 Monster ratio That black guns matter Now all these lefties Got crazy small bladders None of us wanted war But we're ready You know I'd be bopping And rock steady Liberty lockdown Please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone But yeah it's on hold Where did it come from And where did it go It requires a fight Not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king Get him off the fucking throne If you're riding with the thought You've always got a home The virus is scared of Will come and it'll go The government knows This don't get treated like a hoe